Good morning, all you amazing dental assistant rock stars out there. This is the first episode of our new series called Monday Mess. What does mess stand for? Motivational, educational, series for success. Often we don't have time to watch, go to attend, but we can listen. Listen on our way to work. So what this series is gonna do for you is pull articles in Dental Assistant, assisting, that I'm going to read, or that we're gonna to read to you, um, the, the whole article. We're gonna let you know who the author is, when it originally aired, where you can locate it, where you can find it, how you can reach out to the author that wrote it. There are some great articles on dental assisting out there. And sometimes we just don't have time to sit and read them, but now you'll be able to listen to them. So the first one we bring to you is an infection control one. Due to the fact that this month is Dental Infection Control Awareness Month with OSAP. And you can find all the information you need to know about that at osap.org. So the first article of our series is Three Common Infection Control Breaches in Dental Offices. These authors traveled and heard the questions from dental offices throughout the U.S. about proper infection control. No one wants to make their patients sick, but just what should they absolutely do when it comes to infection control practices? It was originally written April 17, 2018 on DentistryIQ.com. This article originally paired in Dental Assisting Digest e-newsletter. The two of us became friends after meeting at a dental conference. We bonded over our love of tapas, infection control of all things. It's common to hear educators, consultants, and dental professionals talk about the challenges of infection prevention as naturally as if they were discussing the weather at the Organization for Safety, Asepsis, and Prevention event, which is OSAP.org, by the way, and they have an amazing boot camp in January you can attend. Three days of educational infection control fun. If you're serious about safety in your dental practice, then the membership with OSAP is a must. Drawing from our experiences as consultants and educators, we put our heads together and came up with a list of three common infection control breaches that we felt could use a little extra love and attention in the dental settings. All water is safe, right? I recently sitting in a restaurant and staring sadly into the bottom of my coffee mug. Silently, willingly, the server to acknowledge that I needed a refill. I noticed a brown buildup lining my cup that I could easily remove with my finger. The stain was similar to biofilm, which forms when bacteria attaches to moisture-rich surfaces. Of course, dental plaque is a great example of biofilm, as is that stone you pick up at the pond that feels slick. Biofilm develops on a surface over time and is difficult to remove. Unlike the caffeinated residue in my cup, Biofill can be dangerous and difficult to get rid of. Because pub public water entering a building is safe, it's easy to conclude 
that water coming out of the dental units is safe too. However, the narrow tubing used in most dental units actually contributes to the formation of biofilm. In fact, these lines are the perfect breeding ground for bacteria. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommends that dental unit water contain no more than 500 colony forming units of heterotrophic bacteria per milliliter. This is the equivalent of safe drinking water as set forth by the Environmental Protection Agency. The only way to know if your water lines meet these standards is to test them. There are two methods for doing this in the office or by using a mail-in testing service. The American Dental Association page has a dedicated to both types of waterline testing at ada.org. We will put these links in our podcast uh, description so that you can find all the information. We'll put the article link and any links that they had in the article for you. If the test results are greater than 500 CFUs, then the lines may need to be treated. This typically involves shocking the lines to kill bacteria immediately or using a maintenance product that is labeled to reduce biofilm over time. If the practice is using a waterline maintenance product, but there's still biofilm in the lines, then the maintenance product may be ineffective. However, if the test results indicate the water coming out of the ultrasonic scaler, air water, and piece lines are under the threshold set by the EPA, then a maintenance product should be kept safe water flowing. Some waterline maintenance products require monthly testing, while others require only annual testing. It is important to follow the manufacturer's instructions for proper usage, monitoring, and testing frequency. So, Next section, is it spray, wipe, spray, or is it wipe, toss, wipe? Here's an easy example about disinfection, disinfectants and sterilization of hand pieces. We both love avocados. Each time we eat one, we clean the plate before running it through the dishwasher. And some avocado is guaranteed to remain when the dishwasher is done. Similarly, Environmental surfaces need to be cleaned of debris prior to an infection, disinfection, excuse me, which then allows the disinfectant to reach and kill microorganisms. Three levels of disinfection exist, high, not used on surfaces, intermediate, and low. Both intermediate level disinfectants with a tubercidal claim are used to remove visible blood soil. A low level disinfectant with HIV or HBV claims are registered with the EPA. Avoid store products that don't have an EPA number on the label and are not hospital grade. Whichever spray or commercially prepared wipe you use, follow the manufacturer's instructions on the package. Read the label to determine if the product is a cleaner, a disinfectant, or both. Using the product in the right amount, dilution, or contact time is critical. Contact time is the amount of time that the product stays wet on the surface 
of the item being disinfected. Some products need one minute, while others need three minutes or longer. If a disinfectant dries too soon, it will not do its job. Making your own pre-made wipes by wetting four by four gauzes squares with disinfectants in an off-label product use. Bleach contained in those squares reduce the effectiveness of the product, so always follow directions. Sterilize both handpiece and motors? We follow a few online forums and every so often there's a lengthy discussion about when, how, and which handpieces need to be sterilized. It's common to see hygienists report that they only wipe down their handpieces with disinfectant. While we know that dental handpieces must be cleaned and sterilized prior to reuse, there seems to be ample confusion regarding low-speed motors and commonly used attachments. In 2016, the CDC issued a companion document to the 2003 guidelines for infection control in the dental healthcare settings. It is said, in part, dental handpieces associated attachments, including low speed motors and reusable prophylaxis angles, should always be heat sterilized between patients and not high level or surface disinfected. Although these devices are considered semi-critical, studies have shown that their internal surfaces can become contaminated with patient materials during use. If these devices are not properly cleaned or heat sterilized, and heat sterilized, excuse me, the next patient may be exposed to potentially infectious materials. So which hand pieces should be sterilized? All dental hand pieces and other devices not permanently attached to air and water lines of dental units should be removed, cleaned, and heat sterilized between patients. It is our responsibility to see that we understand, follow, and comply with the handpiece manufacturer's instructions. Wiping down handpieces with disinfectant or the use of barriers is not acceptable. If your practice does not have enough handpieces to keep up with the patient load, then the practice needs to order more. There are many opportunities in the dental practices to improve infection control. And this is just a snapshot of what we've seen in offices across the country. Remaining vigilant and educated can help you identify additional opportunities for enhancement. A solid resolve to do the right thing and commitment to safety can make all the difference of health. So this is about the authors of this article, which has had a boatload of information. So if you weren't familiar with any of these practices, now you are and you can help your practice. So one of the authors is Joyce A. Moore. She has a bachelor's in dental hygiene. She's a registered dental hygienist and she's also a CRCST, which I'm not exactly sure what that is, but we'll find out. Has over 25 years of experience in dentistry, received her bachelor's in hygiene from Massachusetts College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences. She is employed at Midmark Corporation as a clinical educator and is an adjunct clinical instructor at Bristol Community College. She is an infection prevention consultant and odor of compass dental safety. She is also a member of OSAP, most recently serving on this year's annual conference planning committee, which was back when this article was uh, written. 
Karen A. Daw is, has an MBA and a CECM, received her bachelor's degree from Ohio State University and has a master's in business and healthcare administration. Her career includes positions as the assistant director of sterilization, monitoring, and clinical health and safety director for Ohio State University College of Dentistry. Go Buckeyes. She also served on OSU's health and safety committee. She is a speaker, consultant, and authorized OSHA trainer partnering with medical, dental, and hospitals across the country. Karen is a proud member of OBSAP and has served as co-chair for its annual conference and boot camps. So, all the links will be in our little um, about section in the podcast. And you can find this podcast on any of your favorite, favorite channels, whether it's uh, Spotify, iHeart. Uh, but the goal of Monday's mess is to help you listen instead of having to stop and learn um, along the way. Okay, well, everybody have a fabulous Monday and we look to next week's Monday Mess. Have a great day.